Everybody and welcome to the Absolute Territory podcast. This week it stands for Absolute Territory because we're doing wrap ups, and that's that's we, we're lazy and we don't want to do an at every time because why you, why you expose us? <laughs> Listen, the the <laughs> listeners have a right to know. Is all I'm saying. Transparency, <laughs> transparency in media. Uh, today we are going to be talking about. The winter 2018 season? I, I, almost, yes. I always get confused, right? Because they have like <laughs> fall 2017 and then winter 2018. And I'm just like, I can't remember if winter starts in 2017 or 18. It's fine. You know what? It's fine. It's winter 2018. <laughs> it's, it's the winter 2018 season. And mm-hmm. all of the things that we watched from that which was not a whole lot actually i got really busy you were busy it was a problem it it wasn't in the stars but that's okay we did our best it got (laughs) it got super hectic but that's okay because there were a lot of good things to watch and we watched all the good things mostly yes (laughs) mostly um but before we before we get into that how have you been what have you been up to um, so the convention is over and I can finally relax, which is a great feeling. I like not scrambling for art and cosplay and art and cosplay, <laughs> which in the end, my cosplay didn't even pan out. So I'm going to do that next convention, which next time I'm going to be an amazement in North Carolina. Holla. <laughs> it's tragic. Also, yeah. I totally forgot that we have to introduce ourselves at the beginning of the podcast, but that's okay. We'll just leave it off this time. Who cares? <laughs> they know who we are. <laughs> you you know who we are, probably. It's okay. We'll we'll do it properly next time, I swear. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, how about that? You know what? Is is that it? Is that all you've been doing? Just yeah. con stuff, con stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about you? Soup, soup. There, I, I introduced you. <laughs> well, thank you, Renu. <laughs> <laughs> I have to make it sound like I put your name in in post as if I forgot it just now. <laughs> Why, thank you, Renu. <laughs> <laughs> Why, thank you, Renu. <laughs> uh, no, I've been, I've been good. Um, I have been, uh, over the past two weeks, back to school basically like i've just my life has become school again and really i don't have anything more exciting to say about that like i had to read a bunch of novels <laughs> and i'm exciting. i'm pretty hyped for that mm-hmm. i'm taking uh a class about speculative fiction which is pretty mm. cool i'm taking a class about kafka franz kafka famed uh. famed german writer uh german language writer i guess he was from like Prague and no well he spoke whatever it doesn't matter it doesn't matter uh-huh i'll know more about kafka after the class than before it is all that's really important um okay. and i'm taking another class called history of animation which is interesting oh. i didn't know that it was gonna be history of animation i just took a class that was 
titled special topics in film. I was like, that sounds interesting. Oh. Take that. Uh, and then it turns out it was about animation. And I'm just like, well, this is up my alley unintentionally. Yeah. That's so, yeah. cool. That's, that's only- more to add to our podcast still later. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's about Western animation, but we can still talk about that. We I guess still talk about it. <laughs> it's you know, it did just dawn on me that we we do. I I did like purposely leave it kind of ambiguous, but we really don't only have to talk about like Japanese animation and yeah, Japanese exactly. Video We're game. not limited, despite being called Absolute Territory Podcast. <laughs> right, like it's it's a podcast about the study of modern visual culture, which could literally be anything really um we could just do a an entire podcast episode about um anish kapoor's the bean i don't remember what it's actually called but it's the fucking bean it's like the one in chicago you want to make <laughs> yes i have been to the bean <laughs> but is it actually called the bean <laughs> yes it is called the bean it's bean shaped it's a bean <laughs> well okay yeah that's anyway um <laughs> Yeah, uh, technically we could do a po- I mean, that wouldn't be very interesting because all I have to say about it is it's big, oblong, shiny, reflective, and by and made by Anish Kapoor. And Anish Kapoor makes pretty okay art, but he's also a giant douche waffle. Oh. <laughs> I, I did not know about this despite having visited the bean. I mean, I don't I don't think there's a plaque in front of the bean that's just like and this is this is everything that Anish Kapoor has done wrong, right? Like, <laughs> the douche waffle. Yeah, douche waffle Anish Kapoor. Uh, that's his middle fucking name. Oh. You know, I made it a New Year's resolution to swear less and it's already just sort of down the toilet at this point. <laughs> Did you make that a resolution? I'll keep trying. I'll keep trying. Um, I think the best way to, to go about it is just to cut it out entirely. I can't, I can't edit that out in post. It doesn't, it doesn't, it makes No, no, the- no, no, I'm, I'm talking about like, if you actually wanted to hold up to that resolution is to cut out swearing entirely. Oh, I mean, that's, that's the, that's the end goal to cut out swearing. You just gotta go cold turkey, my dude. At least generally for the podcast, if for no other reason than, uh, you know, having to mark, uh, Having to mark um, the podcast as explicit every time when it's not an explicit podcast is annoying. I just got to stop using bad words. Please be family friendly for the families. I need to be family friendly so that the children can listen to us talk about things that make literally no sense to anybody (laughs) under the age of 25. (laughs) (laughs) Still appreciate it. (laughs) yeah no i mean listen if i was if i was introduced to literary readings of Mm -hmm. media at a younger age i'd be Mm -hmm. fucking amazing at it (laughs) i just i did it again (laughs) i'm the worst you you make fun of me for being family friendly and here we are (laughs) here we are soup (laughs) it's just it's just that I get really excited, and it's the only way that I can <laughs> express my excitement about the world. <laughs> just bleep it all out. We'll be family just, friendly then. <laughs> oh, you're right. I could totally just bleep it out. <laughs> no, that would be annoying to listen to. In fact, I'm going to go as far as to say that'd be fucking awful. <laughs> I'll start a new next episode, I swear. <laughs> next episode resolution. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, let's let's talk about let's talk about what we watched. Sure. Not 
enough, probably, because we were distracted and busy, and that's just how life goes sometimes. Sometimes you just don't get to watch all the anime you want to. That's just what mm-hmm. being an adult is like. But you know what? It's okay, because this season was actually really good. There were a lot of really good shows this season. Yeah. Uh, and I'm glad that we were able to get in as many as we could. <laughs> we did a lot of work. We did. It was work, but it was enjoyable. We're like, <laughs> I mean, we to can't be fair, call it work. <laughs> I was going to say, is it work if we don't get paid for it? I think so, but if we at don't the get paid time, for it and it's a hobby and it's enjoyable. <laughs> right. It's really people should be paying us. I think what, what we should do is we should just launch a Patreon where the end goal is I cosplay as Futaba. Sure. It's like if we make five hundred dollars a that. month or whatever. Yeah, I've been wanting to see you cosplay as her. I mean, I have I have the jacket, so I'm I'm I've done the hardest step, really. I think the first show that we're gonna talk about is a place further than the universe, or as we will refer to it from now on, as I'm decreeing at this very moment, Antarctica, the Antarctica anime, because I'm not gonna say a place further than the universe every time. <laughs> I agree. I actually keep forgetting the actual name, so I've only been referring to it as the Antarctica anime. Yeah. Even even though technically I could because, you know, I've memorized the entirety of Jugumu Jugumu's name. <laughs> which I will not do right now because th- that would take up a solid like 2 minutes, but actually I think I've gotten it down to the point where I can get it done in 30 seconds or less. Could you please do that for the outro? For the outro? Mm, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm going to stick with the current ones I have. Because <laughs> I know you hate them, but I love them so much. <laughs> uh, yeah. <But> <laughs> so, so A Place Further Than the Universe, or Antarctica, is uh-huh. basically about a group of, of girls who follow one girl's dream to go to Antarctica because her mom went there and wrote a book about it, and she died there. Tragic. But... It's this sort of, you know, coming of age story, but that doesn't do it any justice whatsoever. Yeah, the the description doesn't describe how actually good this anime is. Well, the mom goes missing. She's well, she, she she goes missing in Antarctica. There's only yeah, sort of one yeah, exactly. one possible way that ended. Well, yeah, but the ambiguity of that specific thing is why the daughter decides to go to Antarctica in the first place, because she still holds on to that belief like, oh, I can still find my mom, even though it's basically impossible that she's alive. I mean, yes, that I think the the ambiguity of it is really important. Yeah, uh, there is this sense of, well, because it's not just about coming of age, but it's coming of age also intertwined with. Uh, dealing with feelings of loss and grief. Yes, yes. And it's handled in such a way as to make that actually good. Yeah. And it. I love the way that they explore the bonds between the girls, too. Like, it's, like, all intertwined with their friendship and how that develops and how, what friendship is actually defined as. And they, like, have different ways of approaching it and trying to figure out what exactly their bond is and then it just i don't know (laughs) right right there are a lot of sort of like intertwined themes and they're all handled and executed in a way that's like really great yeah when it comes down to it it's it's a piece that is 
executed very well um, because I think a premise like this has the the potential to be very good mm-hmm. or just sort of trite and not very interesting. But it gets you invested in the characters and it gets you invested in the story. And by yeah. the end, you're crying. Yeah, it felt so fluid the way that they told the story. And I, from from my perspective, I didn't have a single issue with the pacing. Like it no, was not at all. an enjoyable ride. Yeah, all the way through. And it felt really well paced the whole time through, which is why it made it all that more enjoyable. Yeah, I th- I think the the pacing and the direction of the show are really good. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's not there's never a moment where I feel like this is going on for too long. I want to move yes. on. It's Right. Every scene I feel like n- never overstays its welcome at the very mm-hmm, least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was exquisite. Like like even from like the first few episodes that we watched, I was like the pacing is so good. <laughs> like right. the storytelling's already good, but the pacing is just like perfect and then they kept, they keep it up all the way until the end, which I love. Yeah, and and as far as that goes, you know, having that be um an original anime is mm-hmm. both like there's a there's a sort of feeling of um I guess like uncertainty there, right? You're not you're not really sure if you can pull that off. And at the same time, right. it's an, it's kind of an advantage because mm-hmm. you get to set the pace. Right. Yeah, no, it's I love it. And yeah. it's there's there's okay, so there are there's some qualities to it that I think I love. Okay, and and I'm going to pick favorites here. Uh, okay. And we're going to talk about this later, but this I actually preferred a place further than the universe to Violet Evergarden. Because it, mm. it like Violet Evergarden, I feel like is technically very proficient. Uh, it's mm-hmm. shot very much like a movie, mm-hmm. despite being a a TV series, and it's very good. Mm-hmm. And the themes that it deals with are similar in a way, but I feel like the thing about a place further than the universe or Antarctica, which I, I said I would do it, and now I'm just saying the long ass name over and over <laughs> again because I'm the worst. Um. The the difference between them is that a place, fuck. The difference between them is that Antarctica is genuine and heartfelt. Not to say that Violet Evergarden isn't, but it's in a way that's so relatable and hits so close to home because yeah. these are feelings that are not even remotely fantastical, right? right. This is not a scenario that despite the fact that it's kind of like, oh, you're going to go to Antarctica, right? Like, that's way out there. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it's it's so within the grasp of a normal person, right? Yeah. Like a, a normal person will not go to war and be, a, be a, a weapon of war and a child soldier and yeah. have their commanding officer die. But right, right. everybody knows what it feels like to not reach your potential or to cling on to some hope of something where you know it's impossible but you know you might still be able to mm-hmm. yeah i i have to completely agree with that like in terms of animation quality i would say that violet evergarden is more polished which is unfair i would say almost you know because yeah yeah it, it, exactly that that's an that's an unfair assessment but it's an assessment that i would have to make regardless because they're both finished anime but uh in terms of like the story and whatnot like i would have to give it to the antarctica anime because 
I feel like even if they put it in a similar setting as Violet Evergarden, which is a little more like historical, fantastical, or whatever have you, I would still be able to relate to the story of these girls more than I would to Violet. Not that's not to say that Violet is a bad character. Like she's a very good character and she's definitely the central driving force of that show. Uh, but I think the story told by these four girls going to Antarctica or just going to a new adventure beyond anything that they could ever imagine is uh, a lot more compelling for me. Yeah, it's it's very much a story about both the limitations of of you know humanity, right, and also mm-hmm. just the incredible length that one can go to to pursue something, right? Yeah. It's it's amazing because it it everybody has like felt these feelings that these girls feel, right? Like everybody's mm-hmm. been in a position where like something, right? There's you feel like you have to go and get mm-hmm. out there and do something right. before you're old. Right? right. By the time that all of the characters get to Antarctica, because they do get there, obviously. Mm-hmm. By the time they all get there, they've all totally grown as people yes and it's so noticeable and so well written and so subtle too i think despite Mm -hmm. also being you know very noticeable it's not in your face Mm -hmm. and it also has to do with you know how people deal with these these different emotions in these these in such vulnerable years of their life yeah yeah it's awesome and uh and it's interesting that we make that comparison to Violet Evergarden because they are the, these these girls are around the same age as each other. Um, Violet versus the the four girls in the Antarctic anime. I mean, and she's they both, Violet Evergarden is fourteen, which is just yeah, not yeah. okay. It, sh- listen, she's fourteen. Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't gotten over that. But like, they also both deal with the with the one of the main characters dealing with uh, grief, and I think they handle it very differently but both handle it really effectively and i wouldn't say i don't think that violet evergarden was necessarily a weaker show it was just a different show right exactly but the the scene in antarctica where uh like the the main the main girl um i guess technically kobuchi kobuchizawa i think it's either kobuchizawa or kobuchi Whatever. Who cares? I d- that one. Antarctica. They call her Antarctica. There's the there's the scene where <laughs> keep going. It's fine. There's there's the scene where uh, she is incredibly anxious before um, arriving in Antarctica proper because she is wondering if. When or she's in Antarctica, but she, like going to the base where her mom disappeared, essentially, right? Because she's anxious about what if nothing changes, right? There's mm-hmm. this there's this anxiety surrounding what if I don't feel anything, right? And that's the right. scariest thing to her, which is that right. I'll just feel this way, the way that I am now for the rest of my life. And obviously, you know that that's not the case, right? Because right. that would make for not a great story. But when she gets there and takes the laptop back and has that scene where she's seeing all of her emails popping up mm-hmm. is so well done. And yeah. that's maybe one of the most like beautifully written scenes that I've seen in such a long time. 
Yeah. Even thinking about it now, like, I'm getting kind of choked up about it. Right, me too. I'm feeling the emotions rush to my head. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's and it's so well done because it's not like because right before that they foreshadow or they, they show that there was an unread message from her mom. And you or at least I thought that that would be what she would see. It's like the unread message, you know, from the outbox or whatever. But it's not that it's like all of these like it's like a thousand plus attempts from her reaching out to her mom and that's like so telling and it's so like like that's it's like a record of all of uh like her stages of like coping with her mother's her mother going missing and oh my god (laughs) it's also such a good scene because it flips on its head yeah this this traditional idea of what would happen there you know this right exactly yeah right it's it's the prime example i think in probably recent um, anime of showing and not telling. And yeah. it does so by flipping the the traditional conventions of what would happen in that scene on its head. It's, right. It's no longer, right? And she gets the laptop and she's just like, you know, maybe I'll, like, this is a memento of my mother, right? right. And there's this sense that you'll, you'll get the feeling that she'll get some kind of closure out of it. And she does. But us as an audience, we get to see her love for her mother Mm-hmm. And not necessarily other way around, right? You right. know, we get the the subtle tells of like her laptop has the the photo of them together. Yeah. Uh, there's an like an unsent message in, in right. the outbox, but it's that scene where all the emails start flooding in. Yep, yep, yep. Which is so so powerful. Yeah, because ultimately it comes down to it's this girl's story, and it also like comes down to the fact that like. Uh, up until that point, for her at least, like it's not. You don't when you deal with grief or the loss of a loved one, you don't necessarily get to say goodbye, right? And so we expected something on that laptop to basically be like a, a goodbye, like that closure, like you mentioned. And it, it's for me, it's it's more realistic to to have like a loss in which you don't necessarily have that moment. I mean, of course, in real life, there's there's times when you do, but when someone goes missing like that, you don't. <laughs> and and it's so realistic, too, to, to show, like, how she would have kept trying to communicate with her mother and and not have any sense of what happened to her and to keep reaching out to her and keep believing that she's there. Yeah, and I, I also love that when we see the email that is, like, going to be sent to her that is finally mm-hmm. sent to her it's not what you think it is you know it's, right. it's a picture of the aurora and it's yeah. just an unfinished email that's just like you know it's better in person and she's like you know i right. know like i'm here yeah and it's such an amazing way of wrapping everything around to the, to the yeah. like beginning and creating this incredibly satisfying and unexpected to some degree right uh right emotional conclusion and like it's how you write a fucking story yeah like because that by that point she has already gained her own closure so like the the photo from her mom is just like it's just like the cherry on top it's like i mean i didn't need this photo but it's funny that i have it now that i've already grown as a person and come to terms with my mother's you know loss right yeah and i love everything else about it too you know like the animation it's good 
You know, it's yeah. obviously not Violet Evergarden, but nothing is. Like, literally yeah, nothing yeah, in the world exactly. is Violet Evergarden. Yeah. Except for Violet Evergarden. The music, too, I think is is rather appropriate. It, it cuts yes. in at, at, at all the right times in it. Yeah. Has all the right emotional notes to it. Mm-hmm. It's not standout necessarily, but it's it works. Right. And all of the other characters are, are done very well. Uh, mm-hmm. especially the the main three who obviously all have their own issues to deal with and it's i love that the the sort of coming of age journey that results from that is it uses the framing of antarctica as a place mm-hmm. to to create this sense of physical distance which in turn uh allows us to uh see antarctica as a very metaphorical place right like this is this is it could technically be anywhere but because yeah. it's it's the furthest reaches of the planet, and you know, as the title says, it's a place further than the universe itself, right? And at the same time, is within grasp is such such a very interesting concept. It's like it's totally this place of both you know separation from society and the, the harsh, cold, unforgivingness of the Antarctic, but also mm-hmm. it's a place where you know people go. And they're not the same when they come back because something has changed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, there's something important in that. Yeah. Like, Antarctica is a place that never changes, right? right. It's always the, the snow-capped, rocky desert area. Mm-hmm. As a place, as a, as a metaphor, as a catalyst for human change is very powerful, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And... It's also just a great example of, one, how you write characters because they all interact with each other in like pretty consistent ways and they all interact with each other, which is important. Um, yes. Some, some, some anime are pretty bad at that. They're just like, main boy is the only <laughs> one who matters. Uh, no, it's about a group of people and they all matter to each other and they all interact with each other and the people on the crew in different ways. And also, it's an, it's an amazing example of a story can be predictable and at the same time be good and enjoyable and well executed. And oh, yes. Still have surprises and twists. It's yes. not, you know, okay, obviously when you when you read the the premise, they're going to go to Antarctica. And mm-hmm. when you watch the first episode, she's going to get some kind of closure for her mom's death. Mm-hmm. Those are the two things that you know for certain, right? And you meet the mm-hmm. you meet um Kimari and you're just like, okay, she wants to get out there and do things. Obviously, she's going to go to Antarctica too. But mm-hmm. The ride is so thoroughly enjoyable and it's executed in such a way as to be compelling because it invests you in the characters and it invests you in their goals. Yes. So when they happen, it's not that it feels cliche, it feels satisfying. Yeah. It feels good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the girls themselves are so funny. <laughs> I adore each and every one of them. <laughs> they interact with each other completely like real friends would interact with each other. They're just yes. constantly giving each other shit, but also being yes. there for each other when they need it, you know? Yep. <laughs> and I, I love um, Antarctica, the characters, like, just complete and total awkwardness when it comes to other people, but also showing that that's kind of a strength, right? There's yeah. a sense of... I'm bad with people, but also being bad with people allows me to be blunt and honest with them. And sometimes mm-hmm. that's what people need. Yeah, yeah. She she gets to be one of the most realist characters when, when things are going bad. And it's really incredible to see because sometimes 
there's a moment when you gotta you gotta slap some sense into your friend. <laughs> right. And the way that they help each other grow too is is really great. It's yeah. I just I love this. I love this anime. Um Yeah. In in a sense it's a it's very similar to I think Space Brothers, which I've never actually watched, but mm. the general premise of it seems very, very similar in that they're both kind of about, you know, humans challenging their limitations and growing, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. We should watch Space Brothers. I, I've been wanting to watch it too. And I think that's cool. I think that's that's it. Uh that's that's all I have to say for now on yeah. a place for the universe. I might honestly want to like revisit it and talk about it more. We might dedicate an entire episode to it. Yeah. But for now, that's all I have to say. Um, let's talk about Violet Evergarden and it's not okay. next yeah. on the list. And we also didn't finish it, but I mean, I feel like it's kind of an apt time to talk about it. Yeah. So Violet Evergarden is similar, but not the the same. It's about a <laughs> girl who was essentially uh, adopted by this military dude and became a child soldier who killed a bunch of people. Also, she's 14, and she does not look 14. And also, if you look at the like light novels or whatever, she it's even worse. She just looks older. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't... I cannot... Why did they make her 14, Sue? <laughs> I don't know. I can't fathom for the life of me why they decided to make her 14, because there's nothing about the show or mm -hmm. the story or the character of Violet Evergarden as mm -hmm. having to be explicitly that age. She could be anywhere from 14 to 26, and I would believe you. Or well, actually, I she would be anywhere from 18 to 26, and I'd believe you. 14, I do not believe. Yeah, I think for for the story's sake, because she's a child soldier, right? Like, um. They had her, they didn't want for her present time to be too far removed from her child soldier time. I, so, I think that makes sense, right? And I, I think that would be the logic. I'm sure that that's the reason why they did it. Mm hmm But. I just, she doesn't just, present herself as a small teenager. She presents herself as a young lady. Like, I mean. Uh, to be fair, yeah, I, she, her, I mean, I think that's the point. Yeah, and. Uh, I don't know. But I I she still doesn't think. Even look I still think. I listen. Sixteen, I would have believed. Fourteen yeah. is a literal child. <laughs> it's. I mean. Okay. It. It is important that she is close to the trauma, right? Yeah. But like, fourteen is still too young to be in the army. You could just make her fourteen then, and then now she's like sixteen. Oh, whatever. Okay. Yeah. We're, that's, done, that's we're done talking about I her replied. age because. Yeah. Fucking, <laughs> we're just gonna keep complaining about it. Yeah. I think it's important that she's close to her trauma and that also she doesn't understand it at the start. Um, and yeah. obviously, like, I have a soft spot for stories like this about people, like, learning about humanity and et cetera, et cetera, mushy, gushy human shit. <laughs> but the, I mean, I guess we'll start with the animation, actually, because it's just stellar. It's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. It's probably the prettiest thing that has ever graced a serialized television series Ever. Yeah, it's very beautiful. I cannot think of anything that has ever been on the air, like airing weekly, that has looked anywhere near as good as this. Different, yes. And technically proficient in other ways, of course. But as beautiful, like flat out, mm -mm, no. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. 
it is a, it is a treat yeah. every time I see this. Every time I see a scene, it has the usual QNE polish, and they have a kind of weird structure as a studio when compared to most other studios because they they do all of their stuff at once and then they release it after they've done all post production. So that's why it's always so polished because they essentially just do it in advance. Yeah, which makes sense, really. Yeah, uh, but I guess it's not viable for most other studios. But yeah, mm. but they really knocked it out of the park. Even compared to other KyoAni works, it's right. just stellar. Yeah, I it it looks like the full evolution of what they've accomplished up until now, and just like ramped up to an eleven. And, right. Uh, it's really really awesome to see, and I really hope that they get more opportunities like this to just keep topping what they've done before yeah i i mean it's the thing about it is that every shot looks amazing you know it's mm-hmm. it's uh very detailed it's gorgeous uh and there's a mm-hmm. lot of love and attention taken when you know looking at both the characters and their designs and mm-hmm. expressions and also you know background and scenery and these are things mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily as important. But I think in Violet Evergarden, they do serve the purpose of being there to give the whole series, you know, the whole show, uh, a sense of both uh, historicity. You know, it's like it feels kind of like you're watching a historical drama. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it also feels like um, it's literary. Um, there is mm-hmm. a literariness to... Uh, the attention to detail in the mm-hmm. backgrounds. Um, yeah. It feels like purple prose, but in visual form. Mm. You know, purple prose being like really sort of flowery descriptions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get what you mean. Like, yeah, they they don't spare any any sort of attention to all these little things like they could have very easily made like the character designs a lot simpler and a lot easier to animate. But no, they they went full out with like just like a Violet's main dress. Just like, like her like, dress, like, yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. As for the themes that it deals with, I think it deals with them pretty okay. Um, mm-hmm. I I think that there are some pacing issues with Violet Evergarden because mm-hmm. it feels very dense, and at the mm-hmm. same time, it feels like not a lot is happening. Probably as a result of it being you know pretty dense, but like. There's that scene where she sees, uh, like, Gilbert's brother or whatever, that dude, and he's just like, I see you're, like, pretending to be a human. And then the, that's when the episode ends, and then the next episode, they're doing something completely different. (laughs) I know! Like, I was like, what happened here? Like, it would have made sense if that episode was placed right next to the flashback episode. Yeah. Right, like, it felt to me like they, they might have cut and pasted a bit there. In terms of the story or like the episode placement or something. It does feel very much like there was a lot of cutting and pasting, which I don't even know if is the fault of the anime so much as it is the original work. But, mm. you know, obviously that's neither here nor there. I've never read it. It doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. In this context, it's just the anime and the pacing of it is. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty, it, it could eh. be better considering I, I the polish be that they put in everything else. As for the like story of it, I like it because I have a soft spot for that particular kind of story. I don't yeah. know if it's... I feel very hit or miss about it. Like, I'm very ambivalent towards the individual stories that happen. Because a lot of them 
are good, but there are a handful of them that are just like, eh. Yeah, uh, and I think this one was, it, it was pretty well told, and you identify with the character, even though, like, they're someone who's still learning emotion, like, you feel for them, and it's just like, you see how the other characters around Violet feel for her. They're like, oh my gosh, she has no idea, first of all, what happened to you know, this person she treasures so much. And then second of all, she doesn't know what he meant with his last words. You just, and what kind of, yeah. You just realize that she doesn't understand because she's fucking 14. (laughs) A different type of coming of age, but also still related. (laughs) Yes. I think that Violet is an, like she's a sympathetic character where I think, the process of of learning and processing these emotions, while you know most people aren't going to be in a situation where it's like, oh, I have to learn what emotions are like for the first time. I think everybody has, ev- like everybody has been through a situation in which I have to learn how to deal with these feelings of grief. And mm-hmm. moreover, I think what's interesting is that they address the fact that she's a soldier, like a child mm-hmm. soldier, and she has to come to terms with the guilt of killing people yeah which i honestly didn't think they would really go into and they didn't go into it too much but there are some very poignant things that the the anime will tell will will like show us rather and some poignant things that they tell us and i think that's one of them you know it's i don't even remember his name but like redhead man where he's just like you know you're burning up but you don't even know it which is like that's a great line yeah yeah, and the fact that he he then elaborates on that uh, by saying, you know, we're all burning. We all have scars that we've just gathered, you know, from our experiences living. And at some point, we have to identify that we have these scars and then move forward. I think it's it's good in, in a lot of places. It's, to me, feels sort of like a patchwork narrative where mm-hmm. there are just a lot of weird holes in it. Where some of the some of the individual stories don't hit quite as hard, and sometimes mm-hmm. the pacing falters here and there. Yeah, and also I personally don't understand, and I I think some people like this, but I don't understand the need to go past episode nine, or rather, I don't understand why they decided that the structure of the anime would be. You know, episodes one through nine is Violet learning how to be a person, and then episodes ten through thirteen are individual stories that demonstrate different things, right? Like that to me is is interesting because it feels like the first three quarters of the show is about a character and how important everything is in relation to that character. Because it's about that character's growth. And then the last four episodes are like Mushishi or like Kino no Tabi, where it's just yeah. like the main character really no longer matters that much. Yeah, it that was an interesting approach because they had. To be fair, were, uh-huh. we didn't finish the show. We stopped at episode yeah, 10. You, you, you're talking like you've watched the last four <laughs> episodes, and I'm sitting here like, did I miss something? Because I did not watch like the last two. <laughs> well, I've I've talked about the last last four episodes with a couple people, but I, I okay. think the thing is, some of those stories are actually really good, or at the very yeah. least, the the episode that we watched was really good. Episode ten was amazing. Yeah, 
but I just don't understand why it was there. Yeah, it, <laughs> it felt like because we we had that moment, right? Like uh, like during or at the end of the flashback episode or whatever, we were like, that felt like the end of the series. <laughs> right, exactly. It it legit leaves off the the uh, episode nine ends in a way that it feels like the series is ending. Yeah, it even has like poignant sort of last shots and and words. But yeah, I think this works better if you think of it as episode one through nine is the show, and then ten through thirteen are just OVAs. I don't understand oh, like why specials. they're not OVAs in the first place. Yeah, yeah, it, because they even had it at the end like the culmination, right? They like they like cameo each of the characters that she's met up until that point. And so definitely like an ending, like it a final like, like season yeah. finale. Yeah. I yeah. I think that there is some, and this is something that I heard someone say, which is it's there so that we can get different depictions of, you know, grief and pro like processing that. And, you know, it explores different themes, but why? Right. Like, they're good stories. They're good standalone stories, but they're they're just not relevant to the. And I guess like this is if you care about that sort of thing. I I think m normally people will see that and just be like, oh sweet, more Violet Evergarden, right? And even mm -hmm. though it's not necessarily about Violet anymore, you know, it's it's like that's still fine. I guess I don't know. I personally yeah. take issue with it. Even though I like yeah. the story, mm -hmm. it. I think if they had organized it like by saying like this is the main like book or whatever, right? It's like Violet's story, and then at the end it's just like an epilogue or like you know extra or something like that. Then that would have been better, rather than like the way that they incorporated it is is like it's just like more of the more of the season, <laughs> and uh, I I do like the fact that at least after you know she. Comes to terms with uh, uh, Gilbert, I think his name is, uh, his death. She, once she has that story with the little girl in the house and the mom, she you get to see like the development of, of how she's moved on after that and how she's actually learned to process grief and to feel so bad for this girl who's going to watch her mom die. Right. And I mean... I will reiterate many times. I actually, I love that story. I think it was really mm -hmm. well done and mm -hmm. very touching. Yeah. I just, it to me feels like because, okay. So what it feels like to me is that the narrative is confused about what it is. Mm. It feels like to me, it is centrally important that Violet is learning emotions. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, when episode nine happens and, you know, she comes to terms with with her grief and processes it and learns how to have those feelings, mm -hmm. that feels like the end because that's where you should end a story that is about a character. It should end at that point when they come to that realization. It almost detracts from the message of the show, I guess not the message, mm. but like it detracts from the, uh, just the general fluidity and the fluency of the show to have it go on after that. It's like, it doesn't matter anymore necessarily. And obviously like the stories are nice, but it, it's like, if, if you're, if you're first, 
three quarters are about a character and her development, then why is there anything after that point? Right? It's like that's that's after the end. That's it, like that's that's an epilogue. It's it. There, yeah. It's bonus content. It's OVAs. Like why is yeah, that yeah, there? Yeah, that, yeah. That's why I'm saying like if they just like titled it like like extra OVA bonus whatever epilogue. You know, it's just like something <laughs> to right. separate it from the main series because like the main series was all about her learning what love is and and also learning about what happened to uh, her commander. And and then they they accomplished that they had the whole summary at the end of all of her adventures and then they keep going. <laughs> it's it feels like it overstays its welcome, even though the episodes themselves are quite enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Assume assumingly because like you know I only watched episode ten. There were just so many episodes. We're I was so- just like, I just, it's just like I feel like that series just ended there, like. I feel like I watched a series and then an OVA, right? Yeah. Anyway, whatever. They might listen. We might have missed uh, on something that wrapped it all together. I hear that episode twelve being... is actually quite bad. Oh, like I, I hear well, it basically episode just, thirteen. I, I don't know. I, have, I, I don't know. I See, I hear it's better than twelve. Done it all. They could have done it all, and we just are just bagging on it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if there's a way to return to that. It just feels like we're beating a dead horse at that point. Oh my god. Well, well, that's fine. Um, so that was Violet Evergarden. I feel like it was good, and all of the sort of meta anime stuff that's happening around it, like you know, it being licensed by Netflix, is really mm-hmm. cool. And I hope that brings us more shows like Violet Evergarden because you know, for all the yeah. flaws it had, it was ultimately you know a good, good piece of media, enjoyable, yeah, very, yeah. very pretty, yeah. Tell me about Kokoku. So I, f- I finished it, Sue. You finished it. Are you proud it? of me? Oh my god. Yeah. I'm so proud of you for finishing something that I <laughs> didn't watch. Because honestly, I didn't finish the things that you didn't watch. <laughs> it's okay. I really tried my hardest to finish this one. But um, yeah, so it definitely, um, by the end of it, uh, well... I guess I should say I should re-summarize what happens in this anime, which is that these uh, people have the power to enter a single frame in time, kind of like if you were to enter a single frame of a movie and maneuver around in it. And little did I know that the entire anime would take place in this frozen moment in time. (laughs) Really? Yeah, like I thought that they would like end up hopping around in time or whatever, like using the powers back and forth. No, once you're in, you spend the entire time in there and then the rest of the anime is spent like basically trying to get out safely. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so it's about uh, this organization that is after this family who has these powers and then they all get sucked into this frozen world. And um, there are these... Uh, guardians of this world um they refer to them as different names i'm just gonna call them heralds um heralds. that i basically here's, here's the thing. not okay. not herald the- so, so that's that's what i was thinking of i know it no. was i know it's meant to be like heralds like h-e-r-a-l-d yeah, I but i just imagined a bunch of like middle-aged white dudes named a herald running around it's named like herald we are the heralds uh, excuse well, me i'm gonna write that down I need to use that later. H a r o 
LD, Harold. <laughs> the middle-aged white dude. <laughs> well, I should um I should actually more accurately call them handlers. How about that? They're they're handlers. And um they guard the people who are frozen in time and aren't able to move around, who are frozen in stasis. And it, the anime went in a direction I wasn't really expecting, which was that from early on, you learn that the old man, who is the one who uh, knows about the powers, um, and he's like the grandpa of the family. He's the only one in the family that knows about the powers. And he has like a really limited amount of instant teleportation, um, which is like he can teleport really short distances, but he cannot control exactly where he lands so it's really kind of janky <laughs> and he also has really low stamina because he's old um they keep that up like like they, they keep up stuff like that and then you learn that the rest of the family actually has powers too and i wasn't expecting that either because they kind of low-key huh. like don't introduce any of that stuff until like the moment happens right like you find out that the father has the ability to summon a handler even just just by touching one of the frozen people, whereas normally to summon a handler, you have to threaten their life. So they kind of make a joke saying that the father must be real messed up in the head in order to just summon a handler like like that. Uh, and then the uh, main character, Juri, she's the, the granddaughter. She um, has the power to push people out, out of the uh, frozen world. And basically turn them into stasis. And the uh, they even have like the 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 smallest child, like he's like the great grandson, um, who is able to control the handlers. You learn in the end, and that's really cool. Oh, because <laughs> they're like they're like they're basically they look like these giant tree people, and they crush you by a flick of their hand, right? And so. He learned he you find out that the small child can control them like oh no just like tell them whatever to do and um yeah so by the end of it you learn that the handlers are made from people who were trapped in stasis and they basically lost their will to live because they basically you know they go crazy because nothing is moving and they are stuck in this world forever. They don't know how to get out. And uh, one of the people from like the evil society is there purely to reclaim her family because they were lost in stasis and she was the only survivor of that. And part of that has to do with like relations with the family or whatever. And yeah, it was, uh, end up being an interesting anime. At the end of it, they had like a giant boss battle or whatever. That was interesting. <laughs> and, um, they kind of had a deus ex machina ending where it's just like, oh, the creator of the society comes along and makes the ending happy, basically. Um, because it was supposed to kind of end like, you know, with the main girl, like basically sacrificing herself. She uses her power to push everyone else out of stasis, but she cannot push herself out of stasis. And oh. so she's stuck there. Yeah. Until the... uh until she comes across the creator of basically the origin of this power or the society or whatever. And that, that creator is just like, Oh, I go in and out of stasis all the time. Here you go. Boop. You're out. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess shows just have to end like that. Sometimes that's just how it'd be. Yeah. I mean, they do, 
they at least don't completely ruin it by like they show her in the very 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 beginning of the anime and you don't know how that scene is relevant until you know the end when you see her again <laughs> and then that's but you don't see her any other time in between so yeah hmm. i don't know was it but yeah it was uh was it, it was a decent anime okay that was, that was my that was my question was was it good okay it was it was okay like because it it turned out in a way i wasn't expecting it was a fine watch but it was definitely like you could tell that it was unpolished and an indie production type of thing mm. um so you know whatevs <laughs> okay well i suppose that's i suppose that's fair uh let's talk about pop team epic which i mean yeah. i feel like we don't really have to talk super much about it because it really speaks for itself, which is, I guess, kind of concerning because it's incomprehensible to mere mortal minds. <laughs> mere mortal minds! Pop Team Epic is a surreal comedy anime. It's really weird, but it's also really funny if you're into weird humor. If you live on the internet, you will understand... A lot of the references, but I highly doubt you'll understand all of them unless you're really that you you don't go outside and you breathe electricity. Yeah, it's like a graph of the more time you spend on the Internet, the more this will be funny to you because it is just every sort of sense of weird, jaded millennial humor Mm -hmm. all in one one delicious package of absurd strangeness it's i think what's really cool about this specifically as a show is it's done by people that don't really do a lot of and or they've it's done by a lot of like newcomers essentially it's like newbies to anime they have done basically everything from puppets like felt puppets to (laughs) 3d animation to 2d animation to some other weird kinds of like MS Paint animation yeah. at least twice an episode probably at least or like the flipbook one that one was so cool the, flip, the flipbook one was really amazing um and then the uh the like the one where she becomes a tree where it's like this weird sand <laughs> drawing style yes which is really, yes which is really neat yeah yeah it feels a lot like um and here's the thing is it's a companion piece to the original works because the original works is just a it's a a four coma like a yonkoma so it's a four panel comic and it has like a punchline but the show itself takes a lot of liberties with that and it has you know longer bits and it has just bastardizations of 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 bits and it's such a it's a faithful adaptation of the spirit of the work i think and it's done very well um yeah, it's done so well. Like I wasn't I didn't know what to expect out of an anime made from like omakes and whatnot, but oh boy. This is <laughs> they have a lot of creative freedom. <laughs> they really did a lot. I think they took a lot of risks and they went on a lot of limbs and it really paid dividends because mm-hmm. it's such an enjoyable thing to watch. And the fact that they switch out the voice actors every every episode is just so funny. It's like this weird meta joke and Everything about it is weird. There's, there's like a a Japanese singer man who just appears in the last episode, yes! not as a character, but like as himself. Like yes! he's just he's just green screened in there, and he's just like I'm central to the plot of this episode. It's so weird, it so but it's so funny. 
it's it's a thoroughly enjoyable thing to watch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you don't live on the internet, I I don't know how much I can recommend it, but if you do, watch it. <laughs> Honestly, I would just say watch it. Like regardless, I I think it won't land with a lot of people, and I know yeah. I've spoken to people who, for whom it does not land. Yeah, exactly. But there's no, there's no, you know, kind of. I don't think there's any harm. There's in no harm in it. trying because it's so yeah. short and yeah, it because it's a lot of different things packed into like twelve episodes that is repeated once for some reason. I know it's. I, th- there's a lot to sort of unpack about it as as a cultural phenomenon, uh, but it's just so flippant about any kind of traditional sense of really anything. It flips basically mm-hmm. everything on its head, and nothing about it makes sense, and that's honestly kind of beautiful. Mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's all I have to say about Pop Team Epic. There's yeah. a lot. There's a lot of weird meta jokes in it, um, which don't make sense. There's also a lot of puns, lots of puns. Yeah, uh, it is enjoyable if you're into yes. that, and if you're not, I mean, yeah, some people just aren't. It's not. It's not <laughs> going to be everyone's thing. But they do a lot of really cool things with it, and as a mm-hmm. piece of animation, I think it's really cool that we get something that's so creative and so within the spirit of the work, while at the same time not being like a one-for-one translation. It's it's an understanding of the medium, um, yes, in a really in a really cool way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't get to see a lot of that much anymore. Let's see. Yeah, let's talk about another thing that we did not finish, but, you know, it's Slice of Life, so every episode is more or less going to be, like, the the sort of standard deviation of a Slice of Life show is very small. It's not going <laughs> to, it's not going to go off and go in left field, someone dies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but we're talking <laughs> about Hakume Mikochi, which is about little tiny uh, people that live with animals in the forest, and they just live... This beautiful pastoral life where they act- drink and eat and trade. Yeah, I'm actually rather shocked that you didn't make us finish this one first. <laughs> I was very tempted to, but I also understood that this is the kind of thing where you can just watch an episode here and there. Mm. Whereas for Antarctica and for Violet Evergarden, that wasn't necessarily the case. Sure, uh, that makes sense. I mean, either way, I loved all of them. I love Hakumei Mikuchi too. I am going to finish this show if it kills me. Uh, this me show is so comfortable and so comfy. Yes. It's just, it feels like, it feels like the sort of epitome of this pastoral genre that was kind of started by Yokohama Kaida, uh, Kaidashi Kiko. Because it's just, it, it's very stress-free. It's very, it will cleanse you. This is an anime that will cleanse you. It will cleanse your soul. It will cleanse your soul. <laughs> it will make you love again. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I I love the I love the general aesthetic of it. It's very folklore, um, while at the same time being very grounded in daily life. Uh, it feels mm-hmm. both, um, and part of this is is the original work having such strong world building. Uh, everything is is just. Amazingly well crafted, and there's a lot of love that's put into both the world and the supporting characters. It really mm-hmm. shows. Um, it's it does. It's just a a great a great watch, and I yeah. recommend this for 
pretty much anybody because I don't care what you're into. I'm going to make you watch it. <laughs> I mean, it feels like, you know, when you're if if you've ever been read a story when you were young, but it's an animation form and it feels right. so like it can lull you into a sense of security and just like chillness. <laughs> it super has a storybook aesthetic to it and to its mm -hmm. world because it's, you know, inherently kind of about that. You know, they're talking animals and tiny people and they use coffee beans one at a time. It's so cute because <laughs> they're so small. <laughs> kind of transitioning from that into, I think was was like a very surprising standout from this season, which already had a lot of ton of like a lot of good things in it. Mm -hmm. Which I guess to be fair, my my one standout is a place further than the universe. But uh, yeah, Yuru Camp or um, oh. Laid Back Camp is honestly such a close second mm -hmm. in in already a season of really some standout things because it everything about it's it's slice of life taken to its logical conclusion everything about it is yeah. amazingly well polished it's it's a return to form almost i would say right it's it's like yeah. kaon where yeah. it's so good and i mean obviously it's not kaon but as a slice of life uh show it's like god tier it's like top tier cream of the crop right it's so comfy and i love all the characters and it's really funny actually it's like which is i think understated oftentimes that the humor of a show can sometimes super not land and not be very interesting or it can be based in like kind of shitty things where it's like ah oh, boobs <laughs> yo uh yo boobs yo. but it's just it's such a, a like a wholesome and genuinely funny show when it when it wants to be um mm -hmm. the gags visually and the comedic timing of it is just impeccable right yes. like the scene where she's like or the dog is like, bark! And then it like stops at the leash because the leash is like extended to its length. And then she she's like, Heh. And then the second one just nails her is amazing. It's also just I love it. It's also just disgustingly cute. It's so cute. Yes. All the girls are so cute. All their designs are super cute. All their outfits are super cute, and all their expressions are super cute. <laughs> look at the, look at any gift from this show. It's adorable. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I and the, oh my god and the music too oh my god i love it all <laughs> the music was super stellar I, I honestly thought that the music in in this show was maybe the best in the season which is interesting mm -hmm. it understands the tone that it wants to convey that is simultaneously relaxed and to some extent breathtaking because it's about nature and the the sight of nature and it's and i said this when we were talking about it at the start but it it's it's just such a good understanding of how music can craft an experience. Mm -hmm. And it's so well tailored for that too. Yeah, it is. Like the music like just makes you feel like you want to go outside and go camping with these girls. <laughs> you do. You really do. Even if you're someone who would never want to go camping. Yeah, this just... show makes me want to go camping and I fucking hate camping. <laughs> Maybe we should get a swear jar. No, I don't have enough money for a swear jar. How about a... How about a how about a limit like a hard limit? It's like four. You're only allowed so many day. swears. <laughs> we want to keep it PG thirteen. I think it's one f bomb and then like as many of the other words as we as I want. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> That's how it works. Haven't you ever seen like a, a PG thirteen movie? They're always like this, where they're like, "Oh shit, bitch, crap, ass, damn." But then 
there's one singular fuck. Well, you know, you could you do however you need to do to quit your habit. <laughs> Just <laughs> I'll work something out. Anyway, <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I it's everything about this this show is so polished um in in a way that's I think different from Violet Evergarden, which is visually like having an orgasm with your eyes constantly. My god. But it's um it's good. Like I, I'm I'm almost struggling to find words to describe how it's good. It's just technically proficient in every aspect to the point where it feels uh invisible how good it is, right? This is this mm-hmm. is the kind of show that you can put on and relax and just not think about anything and just watch. Yes. Watch these cute yes. girls have their camp antics. Makes you want to go camping. <laughs> I don't like camping. I don't like the outdoors. But I do like food, and that would entice me to go out. If somebody was like, hey, we're going to go camping, and I'd be like, hmm. They were just like, yeah, but we're also going to have Hot Pot. And I'm like, oh, you got me. <laughs> you got me. You said you the secret, the magic words. <laughs> you said the magic word. That's honestly, those are the magic words to get me to do anything. It's free food. That's it. Those are those two words. <laughs> yeah, oh, um, it, was, it was the most healing show uh, I watched this, uh, this season. Uh, like it was so good that I made us watch all of it, even though it it's you know a slice of life show. There's no serialized narrative to it necessarily. Uh, though yeah. there are some consistencies in in the, the characters as the as the episodes go on. It's not like one 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 one. It's like one point five to two point five. This this metaphor is getting out of hand. I don't really know what I'm uh-huh. saying anymore. I just was gonna let you keep going. <laughs> No, no, I understand. I understand that I completely lost track of where I wanted to be with that, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, those, those are all the things that we finished, uh, but we're going to talk about some of the things that we didn't finish in, in a lightning round. So uh, I will go first. Essentially, we're going to sum up the show in two sentences or less, and we're going to say whether it's good, bad, enjoyable, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to start with Miss Koizumi Loves Ramen, which if you like ramen or food or girls, watch it because it's about a cute girl that wants to get in another girl's pants by eating ramen with her a lot. Good. <laughs> and the Enjoyable. next one is... Lovely. Okay, okay. You know what? You only had two sentences. <laughs> Calm it down. <laughs> um, next one is Emiya-san, the, the fate series spinoff that's a slice of lifey uh, cooking anime and it has a lovely art style it's full of cooking it is what it is if you like cooking you like you don't even have to like fate you just like cooking and cute animation i'd watch it i think it's good i watched a couple episodes of overlord 2 it's isekai but different watch it because it's fun and also big skeleton man what who doesn't get the appeal of a big skeleton man? It's good. <laughs> I feel like this is like run-on sentences. <laughs> I only do run-on sentences. My sentences don't have periods. Only semicolons. <laughs> Infinite semicolons. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Says the English major. Uh, okay, so Card Captor Sakura Clear Card Arc is exactly what it is. It's Card Captor Sakura. They animated the new arc, and it's lovely and very uh, shoujo y for small girls. And yeah, if you like it, if you like Card Captor Sakura, like the OG nostalgia feels, watch it. It's good. Death March, the parallel world rhapsody, which is a mouthful and a half. 
It's the most light novel of the light novel titles because it almost makes sense, but at the same time almost doesn't. And it's just a lot of words that sound cool put together. Uh, the actual show is uh, Isekai, but it's sort of like second wave Isekai, and it eschews normal power fantasies of the main character by instead having it be more focused around slice of life and pastoral fantasy uh, rather than anything big or grand or world shatteringly different. Uh, I it is vaguely good. only got closer to what you were saying. What? <laughs> It is good if you like isekai. It okay. is good if you like slice of life. That's it. Uh, okay. Junji Ito collection, which was Junji Ito, but bad. Don't watch it. <laughs> I watched another episode of it to give it another chance, and it was it didn't go up in quality. <laughs> uh, so next is Karakai Jozu. Jo- God. Karakai Jozu no Takagi-san. And it's a cute anime about cute kids. They obviously have feels and crushes on each other, but one of them likes to tease the other one. The boy tries to get back at the girl who's clearly way more clever than him, and he fails all the time, and it's cute and funny. If you like that kind of thing, then watch it, because it's lovely. It's cute. It's good. Darling in the Franks. We're not going to talk about Darling in the Franks. I'm going to make Renu watch it, and then we're going to talk about it at the end of no! next season because it's still airing. No, I don't want to watch anymore. <laughs> we have to watch it. It's an important piece of media, or it's an important piece of, of anime. It is important to anime as a medium that we... Uh, contemporary notions of anime as a medium that we watch it and discuss it because it is... Because it's sex ed, the anime? <laughs> Because of the the cast, essentially, of the creators, uh, of the writers and the world builders and the animators, we'll talk about it later. I know Renan will complain, but we'll talk about it later. (laughs) Like, we're only purely watching out of respect towards the studios. That's what I'm gaining the sense of. It looks pretty. (laughs) And finally, we have Sanrio Boys, which is bad. Don't watch it. Uh, Wow, you didn't even watch more than one episode too. i didn't but i just I, that's all i needed yo what about the shoujo one you were gonna make me watch that the shoujo daddy one. Oh, okay uh that one is cute kind of if you can get past the conceit <laughs> if you can get pa- if you can get past the premise of the show and how kind of weird it is it's a touching story of a young woman learning about feelings for the first time it just happens to be that, you know, the object of her affections is just a bumbling old dad man. Which I just, I don't, I mean, I, I guess, like, why not? <laughs> sometimes, uh-huh. sometimes that's just how it be. That's cute right. and pretty. So <laughs> if you can get past the premise, I would say watch that. Uh, And then there's a lot of other things that we only watched like a single episode or two of because there were just so many things that came out and really only so many of them worth watching. I think Gakuen Babysitters is actually pretty good, though, so I might recommend watching that. Yeah, yeah, that one's lovely. Well, that's that's it. I think we did it. We did it. I think that's everything that I think that's everything that's worth talking about. Uh, What are you up to this week? Oh, 
I am, I have streams on Friday now. I actually have a semi-schedule, which is I'm going to have to try and keep hold of it, is streaming on Friday evenings. And lately I've just been streaming creative, so it's just going to be artsus for me. And I think that's all I'm going to be up to. It's going to be, uh, I'm going to try and take it easy this week. So, yeah. We'll let you soup. I'm a schoolboy. I do school things. Uh, there is an Overwatch event coming up that is PvE, and I'm very excited for it. And really, that's about it. Okay. So, you know, nothing too exciting. Yeah, start of the quarter, it's syllabus week. Uh, but I've already read a novel. I read oh. Carmen Buyos's <laughs> Texas the Great Theft, which is... How, how was it? It's good. It's, it's a speculative okay. fiction piece, technically, about... A lot of, the, I mean, listen. There's, it's too much to describe here right now. But it's essentially, what if Texas belonged to Mexico still, kind of. Hmm. So speculative fiction is basically like what if types of books, like hypothetical. It's theories? basically any fiction that asks the question, "What if this?" Right. Okay. So sci sci-fi, fantasy, or both speculative fiction, in a sense. Okay. Um, Interesting. And according to some theories, they're also both historical fiction. But that's neither here nor there. That's literary theory. That's my actual day job question mark. <laughs> it's school. I don't know if you count it as a job. It's an that's occupation. Not really. I mean, you have like job hours sometimes, but it's like. It's not a job because I don't get paid for it. It's an occupation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. I see how this works. Yeah. It's my occupation is student of literature. <laughs> Um, I'm also uh, a part-time uh, weeb and also mm -hmm. a part-time warrior monk. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not actually. Uh, I, I think that's the end of the end of podcast. I think you're full-time weeb. You're a liar. That's my secret. I'm always a weeb. <laughs> Akechi Goro, don't be soft. Be hard like me. No! <laughs> nah, it's jokes, it's jokes. That's not, I'm joking. Um, a kitchen girl eat your fucking heart out. <laughs>